Cradleine Network. Dog Earthlets. Yeah. My name is Conrad alongside my friend Fox. It's the 235th episode. Hey, buddy, come on. Of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for Febru- February 1991, prog 716 to 719. This time, we're taking a break from Death Aid. Ju- uh, Judge Anderson seeing ghosts. Brigand Doom is having a gas. Friday goes <laughs> kill crazy. And Danzig Infer- and Danzig's Inferno is going to freak you out. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I say it's Barbie, so I don't know what the other one is. Yep, a lot of Barbies. Maybe some Cindy's. Anyway. I guess that's like a alternate brand. We'll talk about it when we get there. Sounds if you want to read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd, the Complete Case Files 15, and Anderson, the Sci-Files Volume 1. Everything Ooh. else is kind of free and uncollected. Uh, um, <laughs> no, I hate these free-range uh, thrills, man. <laughs> yeah. So we just started 1991, and I said last episode that I'd do it this episode. So here we are just talking about what's happening behind the scenes in 2000 AD for this year. Mm-hmm. There's actually a fair amount, and I'm taking this information from the uh, book uh, Thrill Power Overload for the most part. Um, probably the biggest thing is at the start of 1991, especially, is that there's an independent comic called Toxic that's gearing up to be released. It's going to be, it was a, it's a a full color weekly anthology comic initially edited by our old buddy, uh, Kevin O'Neill and featuring comics written by folks like Pat Mills, Alan Grant, et cetera. Just a lot of these old 2008, um, 2008 current writers and alumni in both writing and artistic positions. All right. Um, yeah, it's also offering uh, – oh, sorry. Yeah, writing by Pat Mills and Alan Grant, art by folks like Kevin O'Neill, Mike McMahon, and uh, Simon Bisley, among others. And its big thing is that it's offering a lot a lot more creative control and profit sharing to creators, which is pr- a pretty big deal in the current landscape of 1991 comic uh, – British comics especially. Um, it'll pull in a ton of familiar uh, names by the end of it. And because of that, 2000AD's editorial was, you know, getting worried that this new comic would be stealing talent and market share, basically. And so through this year, we're going to see them adjusting to meet it, basically. Um, in probably, I think next episode is when 2000AD is going to go full color, for instance. I don't think that they're going to do too much for creative rights, but, but maybe a little. Um, in the end, um, but, and, and, you know, while they'll do some stuff, it is always a case of it being a little bit too little, too, too late as you do. In the end, though, Toxic turns out to be a bit of a paper tiger. Um, it's not even going to last till the end of 1991. But it's just like, it it gets about 30 issues, but it has this problem of, um, a problem that we're going to see generally for these weekly comics, Fox, which is the move to color and especially these Bisley-inspired um, painted color comics means that the time it takes to do a week of a, of, a, of an anthology strip is much longer than it used to be, you know? Oh. Like, it means that, you know, it just takes a lot of lead time to get this stuff done, which when you're a fledgling comic, it's hard to have that. 
And because all the comics are creator-owned and there's profit-sharing, you can't just have somebody jump in and do an issue of a comic as a make-good or something. Man, because then that complicates so the, the profit. Like, you know, who gets a share of this comic and stuff like that, I guess. Um, also, also Kev O'Neill had sort had some, had some family pro, had, some, had like a big, a family tragedy, I think, sort of midway through the comics run. So he had to leave and Dan Abnett, uh, who we'll be seeing a lot of in the future, took over as well. Um, but yeah, so I mean, in the end, yeah, n- not a huge actual competitor, but something that casts a long shadow over a lot of, of a, of a Q, of a UK creatives, like doing stuff in, in Toxic and stuff. And I think some folks who got their start in Toxic ended up being a little bit black, uh, uh, blackballed from 2000 AD as the years went on and stuff like that as well. I'd love to look at Toxic someday as too, cause you know, there's some really cool stuff in there. Oh, cool. Um, definitely like a trying to be, I would like, when I say like a mature or adult 2000 AD, it's very much in a uh, now we can swear and have like even more graphic <laughs> violence kind of way, you know? Now we can pour gasoline on whoever we want. Kev O'Neill very much, um, you know, what first act when moving into an apartment is to put up his nuke the whale poster or whatever. It sort of seems like. <laughs> Gotta nuke something. Gotta nuke something. Um in the publishing front, it seems like the checkbook's still pretty open for these comic st- scripts. We kind of talked about this a little bit with a Michael Fleischer. By the end of the year, they'll have a backlog of scripts representing over uh, 300,000 pounds Jesus. of um, writing and stuff. Many of them of moderate quality. Wow. <laughs> As time goes by, also this year we'll start seeing a murderer's row of guys who will become very big in American comics as well, getting a much more – playing a much larger role in the comics, stuff like Grant Morrison, Mark Miller, G- Garth Ennis, and, st- and guys like that. Most of these dudes aren't very complimentary about their 2000 AD runs in their life when they look back on their careers, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, um, okay, guys. Later in the year, though, Fox, Fleetway Publishing, like the the company that owns all, all of 2000 AD and stuff, is going to run into some trouble. Oh. Um, first, it's going to end up closing down pretty much all of its comic magazines besides 2000 AD, 2000 AD Monthly in the magazine. Well, that's somewhat telling, I suppose. A big problem, and then it will be partially purchased by the da- by the Danish company uh, Gutenbergus. Um, oh. As part of some corporate, <laughs> as part of like cor- some corporate brinksmanship, basically. God um, damn oranges. Yeah. Well, well, no, Danes. Oh, so sorry. Yeah, different, different things. Not, Not Dutch, Dutch. You know. <laughs> um, but sorry. But so, but they so so they buy like twenty five percent or something, which wouldn't be that big a deal. But the important thing, but, but but the crazy thing is that the uh, the CEO of the company that owns Fleetway, Robert Maxwell, will die in early 1991, or sorry, in late 1991, in, in November of 1991, which will send several of his companies into re- into receivership and just play hell with a lot of things related to 2000 AD. But that's something that we should talk about more in 1992, basically. Jeez, man, damn. We're- <laughs> what is this? this is the literal dark ages we're heading into, huh? We are entering a troubled time in both 2000 AD creatively and um and like uh, in in the behind the scenes. Absolutely. Oh my god. Uh well, at least we have the new Rogue Trooper, I guess. Do we have that? Fu- <sighs> I mean, 
Do we indeed? Ah, but hey, speaking of uh, occasional bright spots, Fox. Hey, hey, ew, why not? Speaking of things that rule, Fox. Oh, uh, hey, man, or riff, rap, rip, yeah. Rip? It's like Cuban. Thrill one, Judge Dread. Oh, man. Speaking of uh, things that we have to piece back together, forensically. <laughs> oh, whoa, all right. Script about John Wagner and Garth Ennis, Art Robots, Steve Yole, Gary Caldwell, Cam Kennedy, and Carlos Scare letting robot Tom Frame. Man, I feel real bad for this dude in the opening. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, buddy. Okay, overall, okay, Carlos Escara, right? Lovely. King of British comics. Great mm. artist. We all love him. He's coming off Necropolis, okay? 26 issues. He's been doing the first couple issues of Death Aid, all right? At the same time, over in the magazine, he's just started Al's Baby, which is pretty excellent. I mean, man's so, got to have a break. Yeah, so I think we can begrudge him taking three weeks <laughs> off and we can get some Death Aid interludes in here, all right? Fucking at least. Yeah. So, we start off, yeah, just taking a break from that story just for some vaguely, not really related, but just kind of like, yeah, we, we're getting back to the story. Don't be a jerk about it. Um, so, we, we got one story by uh, John Wagner and Steve Yole as a random dude checking his wallet gets gunned down by some street oh. punks in a drive-by. Mm, what you say? <laughs> yeah, ver- uh, vehicular one. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> Dreads in, re- in pursuit of these joy poppers, they're called. That's good crime lingo. As they crash into a wall. <laughs> Meanwhile, though, some random dude picks up the dead guy's wallet and runs away. Dread books the perps and checks the body. And some no good kid with a Bradley doll tells Dread about the wallet theft. Uh, Ooh, I was really kids. hoping. I was really hoping that that wasn't actually a Bradley doll, and I was just like, ah, it's like a fucking weird doll. No, I, mean, I don't know if it's a corporately affiliated. But that thing looks like Bradley, buddy. Yeah, I know. It made me upset when I saw it. Although <laughs> this man, they're uh, the youth getting patted on the head to, for being a narc. Get out yeah. of here, kid. I mean, the Justice Department has extensive programs for for ratting for ratting out your uh, your, your parents and everyone else around you. Jeez you could run a bike. You know? I mean, hey, listen. <laughs> so uh, the thief's on the run. <laughs> he checks the wallet, finds it thick with blood, and so he continues down the uh, this alleyway, like leaving bloody handprints as he goes. When Dread rolls up on him, the guy asks Dread for mercy, and he says, sure, it's fine. But actually, he's in the cubes, and that was just a dream. (laughs) (laughs) And I like how Dread's just passing by at the end. He's just like, yeah, keep dreaming, pal. It's like, all right, buddy. (laughs) That could be any judge for the record. We don't know if it's Dredd, I guess. Sure, but also, okay, so, you know, let's say it's not Dredd, that it's just any judge. That means that they were watching the whole time, just like, please wake up, please wake up. I can't wait for this to once again be that bad dream that he had. And then just walking away like, ah, yeah, that's what I want. It's hard for the judges. They got to find their, they got to find fun where they can, you know? It does look like a tiny TV. I will say that much. So next up, we got a story called Fixing Daddy. Got Gary Caldwell on the pens here. (laughs) Outside a hospital, Dread questions two young women. One's got a mohawk, and they seem pretty crazy, saying that they're sick. So Dread calls it in, tells them just to wait here, and a wagon will come to take them to a a medical aid. I do like this kind of like spray paintish style that's going on here, by the way. 
Definitely, yeah. It's a very unusual. It's it's a very different style from what we usually see. I think it's yeah, like kind of like late, like late eighties, early nineties kind of movie poster. Exactly. Yeah, sort it's of got feel. a very like <clears throat> like a misty city night kind of feel to yeah. it as well. I think like it's very a- atmospheric. Um, so as they wait, they, the, the sisters talk, or the, yeah, they talk about, uh, body parts of random people, including da- uh, Dred's chin. Oh, daddy would have liked a chin like that. <laughs> oh, daddy's got a chin, silly. <laughs> uh, it's just like, yeah, no, that sounds like people who are carving up body parts. That's like number Definitely. one. Like no suspicion, zero suspicion. I guess he got yeah. bigger fish to fry. I mean, he's got a lot going on. You know, Dredd rides off to investigate a body near the Peter Cushing block. I believe, uh, you know, uh, Grand Moff Tarkin, etc. Yeah, hey, man. Remember when they 3D'd him? That was kind of sad. All right, we don't got to get into it. Where a body has been <laughs> chopped up with an axe, body, uh, the heart cut out of a chest with by a hacksaw, which is pretty rough. <sighs> that feels like such a bad way to do that. Yeah. It seems like there's been similar killings in the area of various bodies with specific parts removed. Uh, well, let's not think about those girls talking about body parts or whatever. Listen, if you, I mean, well, like I was going to say, if you arrested everybody you talked weird in Mega City 1, you'd have a lot of arrested people. But they do arrest a lot of people, Fox. So you make a fair point. Uh, <laughs> Especially if they're talking about body parts like a weirdo. Yeah. And then you find a body part murder. Mm. Dread looks around. And then gets a call that the women have disappeared. Seems they're walking through the dark mega city one streets with bags in their hands after that dude with the nice arms. He I mean, twigs. he does have nice arms, to be yeah, honest. He's got, got, got a mom tattoo, I believe. Yeah, listen. Um, who, doesn't, who doesn't want a mom tattoo? It's classic. He asks if they're following her and they produce a hatchet and a hammer and attack him. And once they once they take him out, they go after his arms and cut him off with the hacksaw. Tasty arms. Got to put them in these bags. Mmm. Dreads on. Yeah. You know, arms for my family here, Fox. That's what. <laughs> they're very right to bag arms. Uh... Like you know, that they throw the arms. Arms are perfect for throwing, Fox. You know, and they then you just say these you, are. You know? These are arms for my family. Hopefully, this joke for this episode coming out in mid-November of 2020 oh. will um, <laughs> will still land. You'll still understand this <laughs> reference, Fox, because I feel I feel like as we're even as we're recording it, this is an old joke. You know, I mean, listen, I appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Uh, oh God, I lost my place. Okay, so Dread follows a trail of blood to an old warehouse, a lot of blood following, where he finds like a weird old head and then sort of laid out around it like some random organs and a pair of legs as well. Um, this is how suddenly, you make bodies, bud. Definitely. Well, you got to lay them out and then you start putting them together, buddy. Measure twice, yeah. cut once. That's what I say. Wow. Um, <laughs> suddenly the girls arrive, or cut a lot of times, I guess. The girls arrive with arms to add to their part piles, and Dredd just runs them in. Because it seems like, yep, they went crazy from necropolis food shortages. They end up eating their own father from head, the though. resulting star- starvation. Well, you know, you only eat the parts that you like, buddy. It's hey, listen, like a fish man, or something. That's sweetbreads up there. So that's the good parts, the delicatessen. Yeah, vaguely disturbed by this. Anyway, now they, they were trying to fix them, and that all seems pretty crazy, to be honest. Yeah. Taking the cubes. <laughs> Bye, ladies. Yeah, live it up. 
Next up, Cam Kennedy's back on art. Always nice to see him. He's fresh off the return of Kenny Who in the magazine. Dred's rolling down the side streets of Mega City One and sees a wall full of graffiti, a gang wall. He checks it out and it seems like there's some very recent paint that means that the Jason King Bloods and the Rudy Valley Rude Juves. It says Rude Boys in the graffiti. It seems like the, the, this might have been a late change. But those two guys have beef. And I'll say Rudy Valley is one of the first teen idol pop stars in like the 1920s. Mm-hmm. And Jason King was apparently a uh, crime thriller TV show in the early 1970s in England. Yeah, all right then. Yeah. He rolls up on some rude juves and like makes him assume the position, frisks him, asks if there's a rebel coming up. They say no, but you know, I guess they would when Dredd asks them if there's gonna be a fight. Um, hey, listen, you don't you don't out yourself for the big fight that you're gonna have, and you also, I guess, don't hang out with the weapons you're gonna use. But hey, no, la you, placa, you, la placa, vamos, yeah, la placa. Yeah, when Dredd shows up, everyone shouts la placa, which does mean badge in like Spanish and stuff. It's more of a more of a colloquial Spanish for the record. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you put badge into uh, Google Translate, it says like la insignia or something like that. Mm-hmm. But like if you look up like if you look up to buy a replica badge from like the police department of like Madrid, it'll say yeah, like, it's you like know, a plaque. Los placas oficial or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like a high school Spanish fox. Twenty years ago, I'm using it. Uh, nice. <laughs> After letting the whole gang go, though, Dread corners one of the members and gets the info. The weak link. Gotta grab yeah. him. And, like, I guess a ruptured spleen is good yeah. enough evidence. Kick the shit out of him, then get the info. Dread ends up at um, at the gang rumble. It's a pretty cool moment where he, like, calls into control and says, uh, says like, there's gang violence here. Estimate I'm going to have about 30 prisoners. Medical attention will be required. And then just wades <laughs> into battle. There's some really awesome Cam Kennedy action scenes here of just dread, mm-hmm. like, day sticking fools, shooting him when he has to, all kinds of stuff. It's pretty awesome. God damn. I mean, it's... He is the one on the motorcycle, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, he does show up with the bike, but he's also he's just sort of punching these dudes, punching these dudes to custard pretty effectively. Mm-hmm. Once he's beat them into submission, he grabs a nearby spray paint can and writes on the wall, La Placa Rifa, the badge rules. Oh, look, he totally got him. Got him. Yep. <laughs> That's the move. Okay, so now, Fox, we're back with Garth Ennis and uh, oh, Carlos Escara. Thank God. And these E-boys are helping us with Death Aid. Here we go. Oh, man. Ennis I am. and Ascara. I am stuck. <laughs> E-boys. Dreads in an H-wagon. He's heading to the penthouse of Elmort DeVries in the Bob Geldof block. And I feel like I should have mentioned this earlier, but of course, Bob Geldof wrote like, do they know it's Christmas? As a big supporter of like Band Aid and Live Aid and all these other, um, like you know, cha- uh, big big celebrity charity events for for uh, um, to help folks in Africa and stuff. Okay, cool. So it's kind of a funny thing that this you know um, murder version of Death Aid is in the block named after him. Is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. So it's like if if if, if they had a murder telethon, it was in the Jerry Lewis block. So I'm trying to <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> At this wow, point, the that's, judges that's, are, are cl- that's dated. I love that. Listen, I don't care. The judges are cleaning up the death aiders. They're pretty much sweeping them up, uh, uh, killing, uh, either arresting or killing them. Basically, all over the city, we do see some folks like 
jump into their deaths rather than be taken alive, etc. Oh, and exploding, because they are worth points, and you are going to definitely use your plastique explosives to get their... Yeah, on the, on the badges, definitely. It seems like all the hunters have been killed, but Elmort still has his own plan just to oh, detonate God. a nuke in the middle of the Again, city. Again, mini nukes. I, I love I love the addition of this, but also just like, God damn, bud. It's 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 pretty <sighs> mini, honestly. It's like it's like I, smaller I than a basketball. A, I love that it's a sphere. A spherical yeah. nuke is always a like it's just in general a spherical bomb. This is me mostly just like, you know, I like me some old Star Wars. It's a thermal yeah, detonator. Yeah. Got to freak yeah, out. I'd, I'd say it's bigger than a thermal detonator, mm-hmm. but like smaller than a football or whatever. Listen, it's That's gotta be. It's gotta ball. be bigger than a thermal detonator because it's a nuclear, obviously. Of yeah, that's how it works. But it's gotta be smaller than a football for uh, suitcase reasons, man. I don't know. I think so you can I'm, easily palm it. You know. Oh, but, that's, um, that's true. All right, so here's a lateral pass back to you, Conrad. Dunk that nuke. His robot <laughs> butler sees the H-Wagon on its way, so of course, Elmore does the natural thing, which is open up his closet full of weapons. I mean, <laughs> he's gonna definitely go to the death for this death aid situation, yeah. right? Yeah, definitely. Dread beams down to the Geldof block, no backup needed. Elmore no. DeVries, you're under arrest! <laughs> he's really screaming it, too, just so definitely. that you know it. And then... Just kicks open that motherfucker's doors. It's great. Yeah, I I copied this image of Judge Red Yellen is one of my Droctober images for the record. Yeah. It's a real real nice one. Um, he kicks his way into the apartment. He finds the Hunters Club HQ and is momentarily distracted by the robot butler as Elmore aims a bazooka at Dred's back. Are you you've sure you want to do sense. that, scum? Yeah, you've got any sense, you won't pull that trigger. Good job, I've got no sense then. <laughs> I, I feel like something really hilarious is going to happen when he pulls that trigger. I hope it's good. Next time, nuclear charity. It's pronounced nuclear. Did I say that? No, <laughs> nuclear. Yeah, oh, nuclear. Thank nuclear. you. I was trying That's to a, remember the a, Simpsons quote. Yeah, no, he... Homer definitely, uh, definitely says uh, with uh, two U's. Good times. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of multiple good. U- Yeah, good times. I, you know, I, I wish we could have just rolled through, but obviously it's hard to begrudge a scarif or, or it's, it's hard to begrudge a pause, you know? Yeah. As soon as I started reading it, uh, you know, for our, for our recording, I was like, wait, I don't remember us finishing this. I remember it being a cliffhanger. Yeah, uh, and then it's starting up, and I was like, "Okay, well, I'll just keep reading. Maybe it'll show yeah. up." And it did. And I was very happy it. about it, and uh, figured that there was a reason for it, and you clued me in. That felt good. Yeah, fair enough. I'm so smart. It definitely. Hey, speaking of adventures coming back, Fox. Oh, there we go. Hey, speaking of golden foxes, Fox. Oh, <laughs> speaking of like. God, you know, do you remember how I once defended this thing for like a moment and then uh, retracted my entire statement for a whole episode? (laughs) I said it was a bold statement at the time. Thrill 2, Rogue Trooper. Oh, boy. Man, oh, man. (laughs) There is one thing that got me through this and I cannot say it was the writing. Mm. Script robot Michael Fleischer, art robot Ron Smith, letting robot Gordon Kidd Robson. Man, oh man, ah, I have feelings about this whole thing. 
<laughs> so, Fox, the rogue trooper known as Friday has found his way into the Golden Fox Rebellion, and one of the members in a sexy gold spacesuit is his old friend Gaia from the War Machine story. And why why do they call her the Golden Fox? They could have gone for, like, the Golden Globe or something like that, or, or you know... Uh, the Mother Earth Society or any anything that would have matched up where I've been like, oh, shit, that's Gaia from that one thing that I read that one time. And nah, instead it, she's it, the golden fox because she wears the golden suit and she's foxy. I mean, it has nothing to do with her name, but you know it's her anyway. Like, it was just, I, uh, like I it said, might be a, it was a hot, it might be a it was a hot gold yeah. butt. It might be a reference to, like, just war stuff, I guess, as well. I'm sure. Like I'm thinking, like how how Rommel was the freaking desert fox or whatever. Uh, and I mean, yeah, but <sighs> and then there's this that there there I mean probably not known to Brits, but there is this um, American Revolutionary War dude, uh, Francis Marion, who was the called the Swamp Fox. Did did any of them ride on Mister Toad's the wild wild ride uh, like flying hover pods? Um, nah, because, like, Swamp Fox was, like, he was a revolutionary war guy. I mostly know about him because, like, the like Disney did some live action, like, page, like, a Western stuff. And they, so they had, like, a three-episode, like, Swamp Fox TV show or something like that. Were but, any of their main enemies actually a dude from Smash TV? I love that Smash TV box. <laughs> yeah, so... So, uh, Friday's helping the Gold Fox Rebellion. One of their ladies in a sexy, one of their members in a sexy golden suit is old friend Gaia. She heard Friday's rebel, uh, predicament and sent some troops to help out. Anyway, yeah. now they're off to take the fight to the evil commander, who, as you <sighs> said, is kind of a shirtless dude with tank, with a hover tank legs, like that dude, in the first big boss in, t- I, in a I Smash like TV. That, I like the first, <laughs> thank you. I like that the first, image that we see of him uh, in in uh, this first Prague is he has like clothes on and then never again and I'm like why did they put clothes on him in the first place he's made out of like putty you know he's also got like some big like uh like discs on in his brain listen like on on his skull sometimes you don't want to wear your headset over your ears you have to wear them above your ears so that you can hear what other people are saying i gotta say fuck sometimes it makes it look like he's wearing a bra on his head that's all like that's all i want to say what it looks like and again the yards too and the heavy lifting which is the <laughs> hilarious part of this sometimes so, yeah so friday's coming along on this raid evil soldiers are scout are scanning the mountains for friday but it's going poorly as our troops head out on their sweet hover scooters. Oh, man. This feels so 1970s and it hurts so bad. They look so dumb. As they go, they're clearly making like kind of noises as they go. God, I mean, really, it just looks real dumb. I don't understand. It looks like a a cheap ride, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, as they go, we got some background on the commander, how he rose to power on the strength of his tank tread legs and massive military arsenal. I mean, but are they tank tread legs or are they floaty legs? Sometimes they're hover tank legs. I think we've seen them have treads in the past as well. Guy is committed to fighting against him, and Friday has become booty blind enough by her heroism that he <laughs> wants to help as well, but also blunders <laughs> into a trap and the searchlights go on. 
Uh, so, and again, this is a character who's like, I'm really done with war. Again, so this isn't this is a thing that I'm going to come back and shit on this whole thing about. I was super stoked about him finding Gaia. I wanted this to be like a like, oh, you thought it was, but it's not because the whole Golden Fox thing was to throw you off. Turns out it's not. Turns out everything that she had said that she was going to do is a, a dumb. And now you you better bet you you know exactly how this is going to end. Anyway, let's laser this missile in the eye. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, they shoot a bunch. They shoot like the le- the uh, the lights that go on. But there are now some goddamn missiles coming at him, which is rough times. Friday takes one out with a flare, then jumps <sighs> onto the other Mach One style, reprogram it with his Deus Ex uh, CPU. Then causes then riding it right into the enemy until Scott until Gaia Scooty Puff Junior's over and grabs him <laughs> off the side at the last minute. So this is this is my least favorite part of the whole thing because it's just like uh, now like I'm I'm the combat acid that I have it's burning its eyes out now I'm its eyes and then I do this other thing and I will be its brain and now I'm a, who's obeying the orders now tops from my own or Clavel's I'm the I'm badass I'm the guy now and I'm like this is not it just doesn't sound like Rogue <laughs> well I mean Friday's a different guy than Rogue definitely sure you know? I, I mean Rogue Trooper Rogue or or Friday otherwise it's like but this very much feels like like it seems weird that Friday's sacrificing him like is going to sacrifice himself at in this early date I guess also, also weird that like that, that, that scooter's faster than a missile is what I'm going to say. Just <laughs> FYI. That is, that is actually probably a really good call out. Anyway, Thank but you. they seem to survive but are both then being hit by deadly sound beams. Oh, God, sound the word. I, I feel like we had this conversation already. <laughs> I hate these beams, buddy. They're tough. But Friday pulls through and puts some tactical Walkman headphones onto Gaia. All right. <laughs> Which also, beats, by beats the way. Beats by Friday, buddy. <laughs> I'm, beats by Friday, but also going to say he had them ready and they're gold. So, you know, really fits her motif. Strange. Absolutely. Back in the evil base, the commander is upset. <laughs> evil base, at, evil base one. Yeah, e, e, EB one. The, the, he's upset at reports that the rebels have gotten away, so he plugs into a terminal R two D two style and makes some calls. Oh man, Meanwhile, yeah, he does put his little dingus inside of the hole, doesn't he? Yeah, that's gross, buddy. Because like that's in the he's way. He's like, listen, don't look. I've got an uplink access with my four X B eight eight five code. Just log off from the Zoom call, man. Get out of here. All these co- topical jokes circa circa the third week of October 2020, um, uh, children, children that may be listening to this in the future, um, this is, uh, you know, during a time where uh, everyone liked to, just for no reason at all, um, No, I don't want to. No, no, let's, let's, let's just keep it mysterious. Okay, okay here we go. You know what? <laughs> R2D trying to make a call. <laughs> Meanwhile, the rebels have taken control of the sound wave ship. Now they're attacking the baddie base. 
They're they're Buddha they're Buddha killing soldiers and science types as Friday jacks in with his CPU and the (sighs) the rebels distribute more headsets which they just seem to have. I just I feel like you don't have to like assault a computer. You can just ask it to do what you want. It's the future. Mm -hmm. You gotta put that CPU on there. Reinforcements roll in and Friday's there to meet them. Meanwhile, the commander's on the hollow phone to a different uniform dude. Yeah, who seems to be his boss, then he asks him for rogue trooper info. The rebels fly off in the sound wave ship, which looks like a big tambourine. They're going to try to infiltrate the baddie base, and Friday detects an uplink with an off-world communication, and then suddenly they're surrounded. So why why does it look like a tambourine? Because it's just a ship, but I think... Like, the things that look like the bells of the tambourine are what make it emit that, like, debilitating sonic oh, attack. Right. <laughs> so it's just, I like to imagine it's just making tambourine noises in all directions. Definitely possible, for sure. All right, so it's a fight, Fox. I, I, I spent five minutes researching this joke, so I would like you to allow it to, uh, to unfurl yeah, yeah, itself. There's more Buddha. There's more Buddhas than a than a Theravada temple. As oh Friday my. shoots into the attacking forces, because <laughs> they're a branch. Of, that's a branch of Buddhism that believes there's like been twenty nine Buddhas. Fox. No, I, oh, oh, it's so stupid and so good because it's a lot it's, of a lot I, of Buddhas going on. I, there. I'm just saying that, uh, like, obviously Gordon Robson had to do a lot of work here. I'm more of a Ratatata man myself. Oh, no, no. Actually, actually, I would say Ratatata is my two, and then Daka Daka is my top, because that's Daka, a 40K one. Daka Daka is definitely top. I like just a like a vroomp or a vape or a wump. Mm. A wump I'm really into. Like, anytime definitely. a wump happens, I'm like, oh, a wump? Yeah. Like a wump. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Friday knows they can't win this way, but he's got another plan, so he plugs his, in his magic CPU and has to just scramble some systems of nearby <sighs> jets, I, cause I, them to sort of fly into each other and stuff like that. I do really feel like the, the script for this is plot device applied, you know? He saved his ass like five times with so far in this story with that CPU, Fox. Remember when it used to be a character that did that? Yeah, that's what I was going to say, actually, which is that I feel like I'd be way more into this CPU saving the day if it was Bagman or something else. Like, like if, if it just was a if it wasn't just anything. A, yeah, if it had some sass or something, or if it wasn't just a tool that he's using that lets him win automatically, because then it just makes it seem like, well, okay. Like or it's just, just like, look, I then. blew my load on the uplink thing. Can you please not attach me to a computer again for a little bit? Yeah, exactly. Oh, jeez. Um... <laughs> so all these jets are crashing anywhere the rebels are able to escape in their ship as friday lobs a bomb destroying the base behind them okay. back at back at eb1 the commander's complaining about this dang old clavel gi messing things up uh he needs a way to stop this dude and now meanwhile it seems friday and, and guy have tracked down a baddie space base and they don't know who's funding these forces, but Gaia meets to find out. Like oh, they look, know that, it's like one it's of not, the mutant hunter robots. Yeah, it's it's not Clavel because he said the war wasn't profitable anymore. So it's got to be something. Um, I'm sure she's already climbing down the cliff face to try to infiltrate the ship that's landing as it unloads a giant level box, a giant yellow box, which yeah, like you said, has a uh, has a sentinel from the X Men series. There we go. It. Got and a big it, skull tummy, you know. Yeah, you know. It's it's like a it's like if uh uh um god damn it. 
um, not Splinter. That's who I was gonna say. Shredder. It's like if Shredder was a robot, but not, but like not a Krang robot that they made him later, but a Sentinel. So like, yeah, like a Shred super Shredder. Sentinel. Oh, like a super Shredder. Oh, Conrad, I like you. I see. It's the right I year see. for it. I think 1991. Actually, I think that's around. That's right about the time for Secret of the U's. I man, god damn it! If you aren't just my favorite person right now, yeah, nineteen ninety one exactly this summer. <laughs> god damn it! They did it oh. first. That's where they actually stole Super Shredder. Actually, March in the U.S. So ahead by weeks. Oh man, whoo! That really that really takes me back to a moment in time of the of the life of the young Conrad Fox. Well, listen, oh my buddy, god! At least it wasn't Turtles Three. Turtles in Japan. That's all. I we saw all... that too. We all just got to <laughs> lower our heads and say, remember when it was just Vanilla Ice making us all kind of like Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's, let's, let's go ninja, go ninja, go back to Rogue Trooper here. <laughs> <laughs> the robot turns on, instantly notices that guy is stowed away on the ship, and then God. just freaking blows that ship up. No! <sighs> Man, I love that like a character that was really important to our main character uh, is turned into a MacGuffin. I really am. It's well, so great. It's so great. <laughs> you know, I mean, listen, Fox. I don't want to get too metatextual here. Oh, okay. But you know you know what usually happens in comics when someone dies in an explosion and the hero shouts no at it? Oh, no. Oh, God, Conrad, no. Anyway, Guy is dead, buddy, and Friday's having a kill crazy meltdown over it. He sends the rest of the rebels into retreat, then dives headlong for murder sprees, damning all machines of war, kills a bunch of dudes, but this robot is not concerned by his attacks. He goes for the big guns and uses an implosion capsule on the machine. Like, ah, yes, the best thing in my buddy Eight Ball's backpack. But it doesn't do anything. Oh, Oh, jeez. God, I guess it's not really the best thing then, is it? It's not good enough. Resists the implosion. Freddy barely dodges its massive assault as he runs for a nearby ship. The machine hits it with some kind of grapple gun or, like, I don't know, combat net or something. Yeah, it, it feels like it, sh- it It was supposed to be missiles, but then it wasn't because we didn't want it to explode. But yeah, then none of it, it lo- was effective. It looks like missiles, if the missiles had, Goo. instead of warheads, had, like, those, uh, those things... Those uh, big Q-tips for, for, for American Gladiators on oh, the end of it? yeah. Or something. Where oh <laughs> um, you gotta so, nudge a guy off a thing, yeah. Yeah. So Rogue crashes and lands right by a ship or by, by a vehicle that's called the uh, Plasma Drive Refueling no, Generator. No, no, It is called the Danger Plasma Refueling something. There of course, is clear, I'm, I'm, it's you, called you, danger. You, you, you plasma. humiliated me because I've got I got the name wrong. Um, Friday's groggy, but manages to focus and fly off just in time as the bot smashes down, hits the refuel the danger refueling truck, and explodes. I mean, with a, never hit with anything that's called danger plasma. <laughs> Slightly worse than danger acid, definitely. So. Guy is dead, definitely. Friday's angry. <laughs> They'll be together someday in a place untouched by war where we can finally do it. But not yet. <laughs> I've got to keep fighting so that I can do it in our special place of heaven, which is not here, but it'll happen when I'm done doing this. And then we'll do it 
when I come to the place where you're at. I'm I'm Friday. <laughs> Next time, hologram. I hate. God, so the disservice here is like all of that sounded fine enough. Like it was just like, this is par comic. Here's what I will tell you. Reading it was just like, oof, a toofa man. There was, it it wasn't so, it was not a, oh God, it's it's not for Fox. There are too many words. There were just enough words in this. And I read each one of them and I was just like, man, I, I really don't like Friday so much. And I'm like, well, you know, at least there's Gaia and they, like, there's like someone else around him that's like auxiliary yeah, I mean, to the plot. Nope. D- that that chick is exactly what you would have not like expected normally, but didn't want, especially given like, uh, I guess just like the last Rogue Trooper was so great. And like the last time where I wrote the script, <laughs> it's like, hey, this is pretty cool. It's like dumb dumb action they're funny bad guys you know he's he's yeah, going I mean, west i thought that the i thought i mean listen i figured gold fox was gonna be gaia but i was like hoping for that fake out it wasn't none mm-hmm. of this was the big fake out was that i that i thought this would be good <laughs> oh buddy i will say like yeah i i uh going on with with what with what you're saying i'd say that that this story actually really feels like a video game I guess. Oh man, like, like yeah, a, like a modern first-person shooter. So, like, if you kind of imagine the stuff we talked about last week is like the cold open and tutorial elements, basically. Press F and to pay respects yeah. with your computer. And, and now we're getting into the full game. So you start with like some basic escort missions and maybe a um an NPC character that kind of shows you the ropes and helps you figure things out, you know. Uh, and so now we finally reached the game proper where that character has been eliminated and we've got to sort of do the fight on our own and stuff. I mean, I feel like you didn't need a reason to shoot the giant skull monster in Contra, you know? Yeah, like 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 that big robot was like the first boss or something like that, you know? So we're going to kind of keep going through here. I mean, it's buddy, like a, we, it's, we already had a walking wall robot. Definitely. Yeah, so I feel like this is very, like, like this is the kind of first person shooter that's got just enough plot that, like... Someone who only who's 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 who only like reads who only experiences storytelling through video games thinks it's got a really detailed plot. But oh, like, in, God, in uh, retrospect, maybe it hurts me because it's true. It you know? hurts me because like, it's oh, true. Oh, it's so emotional. It's like, buddy, this this is just kind of plot one on one. But anyway. Oh, God, oh, I don't like it when you tell the truth. And I'm very <laughs> sad because I wanted to like this. I hate video games, everybody. That's how it works. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> speaking of complex mental sim- uh, simulations, Fox. Ooh. <laughs> speaking of feeling like you got needles being driven into your brain, Fox. I, man, I, I'm not excited about this, Conrad. Mm, thrill three, Anderson, side division. <sighs> you know, the only bad part about this is that it cuts off. And mm. yeah, the no, it's only a real... part that's not as bad as that is that like, I'm I this made me feel things, man. I'm, I'm loving these side for, divisions. You know? God damn it! Definitely, yeah. Script about Alan Grant, art about David Roach, letter about Steve Potter. So last time, after a strange incident in the cursed Earth, side judge Cassandra Anderson started seeing things and beating up judges all over the place. I mean, look, if all of them started looking like they were wearing theater masks and trench coats and fedoras, I'd be pretty like, 
Don't you m'lady me, you son of a bitch. Yeah, I mean, listen, speaking of uh, Ninja Turtles, like I think that's their standard disguise, actually, when they oh, go out to get pizza wait, and stuff. Actually, yeah, that is exactly their disguise. And you know what turtles out here, buddy? They're ninjas turtles. and or heroes. <laughs> All right. But, uh, now she's in the middle of a mind scan, which involves her floating around in her underwear with some needles in her brain. God, I'm like, why do they need to make her float is the big thing. I feel Feels, like I don't, even have to, I don't even have to answer that question, buddy. Yeah, I know. No one does. <laughs> she explains her visions, a man in a fedora and a trench coat wearing some kind of mask like we talked about. She feels fear toward it. And the judges wonder if she dot, dot, dot remembers something from her past. Listen. She, she then thinks back to that Cursed Earth stuff we saw last episode but can't remember. They boost the power of the scan to go deeper, which sends Anderson through some kind of strange, rippling dreamscape. <sighs> and she's like, it wasn't Jeff Goldblum, but he was a fly. Something like uh, Baxter Stokeman. No, Baxter Stokeman. <laughs> Sorry. All right. I'm done with my turtles jokes. We, we got to stop with the turtle stuff, buddy. Uh, but so she, she arrives deep in her mind to a wall of strange light that she can't get past. And it seems like there must be something there that the bosses are hiding because they're like, ooh, at least she, at least that's still sealed, which is ominous. Uh, and also gross. Yeah. In the end, they decide to take her off the street and put her into reintroduction, reindoctrination class because, uh, you know, she's one of the best and we'd hate to lose her. So let's just put her into literal propaganda school again. Yeah, basically sort of uh, propaganda slash driving school here. Um <laughs> You know, <laughs> propaganda driving school sounds pretty great to be. I like that it is very basic stuff. It, remind, it reminds me when they go to the uh, t- to that parenting class in The Simpsons, where it's like, uh, "Listen, I can't stress this enough: garbage goes in the garbage can." <laughs> and I'm just like, "Ooh, it's interesting point. This is good good information." She meets another judge who just can't stop beating up perps. Like, I don't know, you know, I try, I, I try. Well, what I love about this is it's just like it's super clear that what this person needs is not like someone telling them to just suspect everyone and needs, I don't know, like some fucking therapy and maybe some some help with like like literal brain help. Definitely. Yeah. Listen, it's, uh, you know, you're going to get PTSD if you're a judge, buddy. It's going to mess people up one way or another. Um. As the ju- as lecturer does the classic thing of, of course, saying all per- all citizens are liar, etc., they slowly morph into the character from Anderson's vision. She freaks out, start attacking everybody, shouting oh, at them cool not to ass touch her. Kick to her face, like or, yeah, or t- to their face. She just like a high kick. It's awesome. Does a lot of kung fu here until she gets taken out. Judge Shenkar, head of side division, arrives on the scene. She took out two judges and she hasn't snapped out of her visions yet like she has been. There's something they must have missed as we see in the end a full page image of Anderson sitting drooling, straight jacketed in a padded room. I hate it so much. The drool is what it was just like, oh, God, I fucking hate these people so much. That's right. Coming coming soon, it says, book two, whatever happened to Baby Cass? Oh, God. Ah. Oh, wait, the baby was her. <gasps> That's, That's right. That's my guess. That's my guess. I mean, you know, she is Cassandra, so, you know, whatever. Anyway, 
Bad news, Fox, because this won't come back until November. Oh, uh, God, really? I have to wait a whole year? Yeah, like, definitely. Yeah, uh, like, like, yeah, we're you know, way on the other years. year. Uh, on the other end of the year from that. I think it's because, um, like, they might, like... Roach might have needed some more time or something like that. Sure. And I think I mentioned this previously, but um, you know, we are about to go full color. And I mean, yeah. I don't and I don't know if either adding color to this strip would take time or if they just want to spend some time with color strips before going back to a black and white one or yeah, something like see if, that. See you if know? it see if it fit well. Yeah, I and I think just like when they made the move, they don't want to do black and white stuff for a little while just because, you know, yeah. you got the color. You know, why why would you go back, I guess? Is what they're saying. <sighs> Cause it's Cassandra and she's beautiful and I love her and she's my girlfriend. Yep. I mean, not actually true, but still an important point to make. (laughs) Good distinction. Yeah. So, hey, okay, so real sad cliffhanger, Fox. Let's let's, uh, chill out a little bit with non-thrills, covers, and nerve setters. I mean, really awesome nerve covers, nerve center, nerve colors. Prog covers? Prog covers. I like them, especially the one with the really big laser that Judge Shredd's shooting with a 700 plus sign on it. That's his first one, 716, Lethal Weapon. Newcomer Brian Williamson draws Dread with a couple big guns, including one of them. That's over 700. <laughs> in the Nerve Center, we hear about the greenhouse effect, which really takes you back in terms of environmental problems, and a general uh, request that people recycle, etc. A very 1991-era environmentalism going on. Those were the days... Yeah, don't eat tuna. Igroid has a theory about the new year st- about the new year not actually starting, and in fact, it might actually be sixteen sixty one instead of nineteen ninety nine. It's upside uh, down. God, all right there, bud. Yep, it seems there's been a recent BBC radio thing about Dan Dare and Judge Dredd that interviewed various creative types. Cool. And a political cartoonist cited two thousand AD as an in- as an inspiration in a recent interview. Cool. There's also a, yeah, it's okay. There's also a brief preview of Brigand Doom, which is going to be later this episode. Heck yeah. Yeah. After Dread, there's a full page ad for Brigand Doom, including the big picture of the man himself, as well as Inspector <sighs> Nine. I do love the tricorder hat. Definitely. Yeah, it's real classy. I mean, it's, all of this. I love all of it, just to be clear. Every yeah, single part. Dark and atmospheric. Let's mm-hmm. we're let's get to it soon. In letters, there's art of Judge Calvin and Hobbes, which is pretty solid. I um, ten out of ten with this one. I definitely. I'm a- and the new kids on the block about to get their heads cut off by moron from Slang. <laughs> also, spaceships flying past uh, the the uh, the logo of Run DMC. It's a rap attack. <laughs> Letters asks if there's any Megadeth fans in the offices and complain about old progs turning brown. And this prog ends with a pretty sweet Friday pinup by friend of the show, Chris Weston, with the soldier God fighting through a planetscape as the background kind of cracks it, behind it, him like glass. It is, I, I will say this about 716. It is the best piece of art in this entire prog. Damn. Like hand, I mean that hands down. It is awesome. Just it's a really nice whole, piece by, by I, Weston. I love, yeah. I love like... What I can only describe as boil planet, if that makes any <laughs> sense. Yeah. Um, and just Got like, weird I don't know. Like, this is a rogue that I would love to see where it's just kind of like heavy metal meets rogue, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we might get there for sure. We're sort of early days for Friday yet. Yeah, there's still evolution for this character. Dope. 
I'm not making any promises. I'm just saying God it's damn it. Conrad, let me live the dream. Yeah, okay. I, I just want people to yell at me, Fox. That's all. You know, oh. other people who are aware of what's well, going to come. Well, don't, don't let me yell at you. I'm sorry, Conrad. It, work, it works out. Prog 717, stand and be delivered. <laughs> With Steve a double Yo. barrel shotgun. That's what it means. Steve Yole gives us a very threatening Brigand Dune cover. Into in the it. Nerve ce- yeah, and the Nerve Center Thrard complains about English rave organizers All using right. 2000 AD imagery for their dang events. Dark I mean, says it's fine, but don't expect to see him a Rogzella at them. Well, I mean, I figured the Rosetta, the, you know, it's there because it's actually just a pill case. Whatever. <laughs> That's right. Rolling forward. <laughs> the, the Igroid announces 2000 AD's involvement in a special comic relief comic, which features um, sequential art from all over the place. I, I I haven't seen the inside, but I've seen the cover, and it's got stuff from Dread, Ooh. Superman, The Avengers, T- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, even uh, Doctor Who. Just a wide broth, breadth of things for charity. That's cool. Yeah. Mid-prog, there's a very nice Dread pinup by Ron Smith with a lawman yeah. arresting um, fo- a bunch of folks on the streets of Mega City 1. Hey, sure, why not? Good job, Ron. Yeah. yeah, then the prog ends with pictures of Judge Freddy Mortis, Nightmare on Elm Block, Judge Emo Phillips, and a picture of Sam Slade, Captain Kidd, and Hoagie all waiting for the call, and <laughs> Sam and Kidd have big old beards as they wait. <laughs> And I should say, this one is by friend of the show and Patreon backer, Colin. All right. Hey, what's up, Colin? Get these long-term folks in here. Good stuff, but now it's now the Rogue Trooper reboot is officially your fault, so get ready for that. Um, <laughs> letters Whoa. ask why Dread isn't always all messed up on the covers, and apparently this, you know, they're from different periods in his life. And another asks why our time is being wasted by Junker, which is fair. Uh, God, it may be the most fair question that anyone has ever asked other than why are we, what happened to Harlem Heroes? I mean, yeah. really. The prog ends with a Thargy version of the man who fell from Earth with Tharg and several classic David Bowie positions as well by Zack Sandler. The other man who fell to Earth was The man green. who fell to Earth. Bowie's in space. Bowie's um, in space. Bowie. Prog 718, <laughs> La Placa Reefer. Camp Kennedy launches a catchphrase and lets us know that the badge rules. Like in uh in 2080 in Barney at 2080.org, this big 2080 uh, database. When they like they they uh, when they have covers, they usually say like what the cover's about and stuff. Yeah, and so they've got a category of when the cover's just a close-up of Judge Dredd's badge, and that category is called La Placa Rifa. Oh, oh, that's neat. I like that. I think yeah, it's neat. Um, then uh, there's no nerve center here, or at least there isn't one in <sighs> our uh, digital copy. So whatever, we jump right to input. With a uh, Judge Birdie Sharp from Time Flies. There's a picture of a judge arresting a clown. Don't get funny, creep. Um, letters are enjoying the prog. Lament the end of Hooligan's haircut and have a joke about the Yo. misprint of Simon Bisley's name at the initial uh, ABC Warriors. They also have questions about the end of Necropolis and Rogue Trooper and wonder what happened to Stan Lee. And I guess we'll get sort of a minor, uh, side update about that soon enough. All right. <laughs> prog 719, Fox. Yay! 
Yeah, Zach Sandler does one of my favorite kinds of covers, one of these big um, anniversary character montages. So I looked somewhat at this, and as mm-hmm. far as I can tell, and I mean, please, if I'm wrong, don't correct me. I did not see a Walter the Robot, and that made me very happy. Closest I could find is on the left-hand side, the closest to his like eyebrow, like maybe that kind of like... Oh, yeah. No, that's Walter. Oh, uh, God damn it. Because if you zoom in, you can see it says I'm right at, right underneath his head, like right next to Thark's why eyebrow. Why would they put it so close? And why would also, why would they put it at all? And that's I'm Walter, try me. I like that a, that a Skiz and um and Robo Archie both take pretty central um, faces I mean, a, a directly above. a lot of above. them are in there. I mean, um, Froggy? Am I remembering that right from Sam Slade? Hoagie. Hoagie, thank you. It's like these right in the middle, near the top. Yeah, no, there's a lot of different John guys. On Acid funny. Archie's chest, by the way. Yeah. Um, I'll say, like, yeah, there's just, there's a giant, like, central Tharg face and all these characters sort of flying out of it, basically. Old and new arrayed around it. I mm. think it might have a little bit too much focus on new characters. Yeah. Just because you've got, like, Hewligan, Trace, and Bix right up there on the top right well, of the and, um, and large. To- See, that's the thing is that they're, yeah. they're just... Good characters that are just made super small. Like, for an example, like Sil- Judge Silver at like the bottom right, or I guess Tharg mm-hmm. left chin is like super huge compared to, you know, I think more notable characters, I suppose. Well, what's weird is that he's right next to uh, Glasses from Silo also. Oh, yeah. That's a weird choice. You know, so there's definitely... Yeah, like, you know, uh, again, I feel like we'll see versions of this that are maybe a little bit less directly inspired by what we're talking about mm. um, in the uh, in the Prague and stuff like that. So this is sort of a, uh, you know, it's I'd one love, to be improved on. I'd love to see the uncropped version of this, if that makes sense, because clearly yeah, definitely. It's, it's cropped. Yeah, and there's stuff like, you know, just having like the words and the uh, and mm-hmm. like the... Like the logo and stuff like that over it means there's definitely like some stuff being blocked and things like that, which is kind of a bummer. It's super well done, and I think it deserves kind of its own, like, I don't know, poster? Yeah, I'm surprised it wasn't like they didn't have a clean version on the back cover or something like that. That would have been pretty cool. Um, So, blah, 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 blah. Where are we going? In the Nerve Center, Tharg asks if we remember Prague 1, Invasion, Flash, Harlem Heroes, etc. You bet your ass we do, buddy. God damn, I do. I remember not having a great mic. I've only listened to that episode three times in my life, and I shall not listen to it again. I try to avoid, actually, all of our back catalog. (laughs) (laughs) One day, Conrad. One day. I mean... I, I, I record it, and then I listen to it when I edit it, you know, and that's enough. I, I, think, I, to it I think that a you're little doing bit when it a, posts. enough work just by just by editing. I'd love, you know, I, I will say, you know, we did that episode one re- re- redo last year for April Fools. It's definitely something I mean, on my radar know, enough for. enough April Fools will have good replacements. <laughs> that's my goal. I feel like, you know, I feel like our first 15 or so episodes are the ones that I really want to uh, to fix. Yeah, the why second, not? once we get to the point that I'm talking into the right side of my microphone, Fox, that's sort of, <laughs> once, that's the one. Once I'm not laying on on the the bed where I didn't have a bed frame, it was just in the corner of my, my room and a bunch of pillows because I was so bohemian. Uh, and definitely not bohemian 100%, certainly. Um, 
Like that that that's exactly where I want to get to. That's about 50 episodes. First you were Bohemia, now you live in Bohemia. Whoa. Oh, all right there. <laughs> Wait, no. B- Bavaria, I guess. Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> get my get my parts of Germany wrong. Crusader King's very angry at me. I also uh, definitely don't live in Bavaria. All right. Okay, I'm in Brandenburg. Thank you. I don't know, buddy. You well, know. technically Berlin is its own state, but you know. Listen. All I did, listen. Don't have, don't get I'm listen, all I know is we kicked your asses in World War II, but uh, <laughs> the Android posts the posts an image of the original nerve center and teases that Prog 723 will be a bumper issue of new stories, including Nemesis oh. and Dead and Deadlock, a new Bix Barton, and a new thrill called Daudamoto and the Robo Hunter reboot, which means that next episode's gonna be long because we're gonna have like five extra thrills in it. It's gonna be like a <sighs> 11 thriller. Conrad. Letters have pictures of a goopy judge amoeba and the old truism, if you can't kill it, boing it. Because <laughs> I got just death in a boing there. You know, uh, <laughs> we didn't keep we didn't keep the muscles joke in, but I will I will call that back just so that you can have a feeling about it. Mysterious. All right. <laughs> also <laughs> mysterious and gross, y'all, just so you to be clear. <laughs> Letters also also ask about the fate of Chopper and Buddy. You gotta read the goddamn magazine, all right? It's right That's, there. That is such a like. Did he melt? Comic or comment? You know what I mean? Did Did Chopper survive? Did Chopper, did survive? Chopper, did Chopper actually melt? I don't understand. Why did they call him Meltdown Surfer? Meanwhile, Chopper's in right now as we speak in the magazine, kicking ass and taking names all over um, Oz or whatever. There was a space laser fox. It was pretty cool. Oh, that um, I mean, cut somebody in okay. half. <gasps> Conrad, a laser from space cutting a dude on Earth in half. Conrad. Okay, well, so I need to the catch kind of graphic legacy. violence you expect from Garth Ennis when you let him off the leash. Honestly, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Other letters have noticed a copy of 2000 AD in the show Home and Away, and that's requests for more Hooligan and compliments for Silo. Yeah, it feels right. I mean, Silo yeah. Silo got so much there. I mean, it was the first third that I was not into, and then the rest of the entirety of Silo was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, once it got weird, it got real weird. Oh, well, and then I want to live in that weird. I want to live in its weird. We got to do a real podcast, I think, at some point, because <laughs> it oh. keeps coming up. Oh, want to learn about this, these now you're, now you're scratching my itch, buddy. Vor? That's right. Oh, sorry. I thought you said Vor podcast. No. Vril. <laughs> Vor podcast, Patreon only. And speaking of terrible junk, Fox, let's go to Thrill for Junker. Now let's talk about some junk, or should I say, j- <laughs> scripts about, about Michael let's Fleischer. Let's talk about a man saying horrible things about women. Yeah, art robot Jerry Ridgeway and Tim Perkins coloring Tim Perkins, lettering robot Tom Frame. Hey, why not? When we left them, the Junkers, they were salvaging a semi-destroyed pirate ship as head Junker Dennehy remembered his past. Now the other pirates are on their way to kill those Junkers, which is fine. 
Back but man, in the how about ship. we just go back to that fucking past that I don't want to be a part of in any yeah, way? Yeah, Dan, he remembers his past as a station cop, a harbor cop or whatever. After a big bust, he's having trouble with his wife, Marlene, comes home to find that she's left him and headed back to Earth. In response, he goes, he gets drunk and is joined by a lovely lady named Eve Merlin. The two she of them hit it off. Pretty, all right. For at, at first, at least, they hit it off until then he gives gets a call. She's in trouble. He runs over, skipping patrol duty when they're transferring all those drugs they confiscated last episode. <laughs> when he arrives, though, she's gone, and then he finds out that she was actually a criminal that killed his partner and stole them drugs. Oh, he got played. Then he gets fired, and now the only thing he can do is be a junker, and maybe not even that, because the pirates have arrived. And also hate women, because two women in his life were kind of bad, so all women are bad, right? That's based limited sample size, but that is how uh, statistics work. That's the end of Junker Part 1. Part 2 will be here in a couple weeks. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm not excited, Conrad. <laughs> gonna junk these junks but hey maybe may move on to some more exciting newer thrills fox oh my god i hope it's the one that i want let's talk about thrill five brigand doom uh, so clearly it is the one i want and oh my god conrad i'm in love with brigand doom <laughs> new thrill this is the last black and white thrill that isn't black and white intentionally in 2008 which is kind of interesting I should say the name is a reference to Brigadoon, which I think is like a Scottish golf thing. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> but I get Brigand and also his name's Doom. The, exactly. The only, the only real critique I have, because I don't want to bring it up later, is just that if the entire portion with Brigand Doom that happened in the like first part of the – or whatever, the first Prague, if it had had no – like comments or or thoughts mm. from him i think it would have been so much better for you not to understand what the fuck he was doing just that it was being done would have been so much better that said fucking love this comic Conrad. <laughs> it's fun yeah so uh in a giant uh, uh, skyscraper at night a woman gets a video call as she talks about this city being like a giant timepiece and every one's little cogs meshed together within it what a what a wonderful thought to have about people. Very just yeah. Listen, not a great one. She's investigator number nine and has video of an attack at the tax office. Someone fed nerve gas into the ventilation system and killed five hundred and thirty three five hundred and seventy three people there in about a minute. <sighs> nerve gas, real good. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> then the perp entered the building and accessed the computer banks, shutting down security so no one knows exactly what he did. Like the first thing he did was shut down security. Then presumably he did other stuff, but no one knows what. The software sniffers are checking it out, but she has larger questions. Like, why did he kill everybody? Why did he do it with nerve gas? Like, why not just knock everybody out or something? What's with this tricorn hat? <laughs> I mean, that's there. You should never ask why a tricorner hat. That's fair. She's wondering this as the perp himself um, abseils kind of into- or, or at least you kind of live through the experience, right? Yeah. But as he abseils down the Department of Power building through a window, <laughs> he thinks in negative narration boxes, you know, black with white, with, with white I, type. That's oh, the best part. It's how you know that – is he a bad dude? Is he a good dude? Means he's – yeah, it makes him almost like supernatural or something, this mm -hmm. weird coloring. And he takes some kind of weird gas am ampule to come down from something else, I guess. 
He sneaks through the building, finding the environmental control room, and puts a capsule with a skull on it into the air conditioning access hatch. That's how you know it's not good to put it in the aircon unit. Definitely. He arms this bomb, and he, then he's spotted by security guards. With a smile, he attacks them, ably defeating them both with his bare hands. I, he breaks one's arm and then cracks one's neck just by, like, having his hand on it. It's real good. And definitely, yeah. He goes to a secure area and presses a button, and the people inside that secure area then begin to cough and wheeze. It's probably more nerve gas. Oh, man, he's just watching them, and he's like, yeah, I'm really into this nerve gas that I'm doing to these people. <laughs> Definitely. People in the secure area are dead or dying of nerve gas as Brigand Dude walks among them. He talks about the city being an enslaving machine. Meanwhile, Investigator 9 is cleared again because there's been a disturbance at the Department of Power and there's a 78% chance it's her sinner, which is interesting verbiage. Mm-hmm. She goes to check it out. Meanwhile, this guy, who I'm going to assume is Brigand Doom Fox, that feels safe to me. I mean, so, listen, he's got the tricorner hat. He's got the cool thing. He knows how to use yeah. a mouse. Yeah, BD's doing some computer hacking here. Then uh, see security force arrive. He heads out, leaving his sweet top coat behind. I mean, you got to have your call sign. Also, man, I, this. Uh, well, anyway, please continue. Oh, sorry. He climbs up elevator wires, swearing to expose the crime of this city, which seems to be crime-free otherwise, apparently. Well, I mean, that's what they keep saying. The man. Out in the street, he interrupts one dude beating up another, and he kicks the aggressor's ass and tells the other man to get off the street. After all, Brigand Doom hates senseless violence. And that's interesting, because he did just do a senseless violence, let's say, but suddenly he's saving this person. This is exactly... Uh, where I'm like, if if nothing was said, but then he comes to this point where someone kind of confronts him and then he's like, I hate senseless violence. That could have just been the only thing said. You would have like been left with the same sort of thought like, well, didn't he just gas all those people? Senseless. Hmm. Doing a that thing. could mean that that to his point of view, the violence he's done so uh, far, well, so of is, course, is, like, uh, makes sense. Of course, like that's where it's I like. There's so much there that could have been explored. I like I. This is me like critiquing something that I'm already very excited about. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, keep in mind this is very much a classic sort of opening thing where things are very of mysterious course. and then whatever. Investigator Nine's cleaning up the bodies at the Department of Power. Being a real tech about it in some ways. Yeah, the tech boffins don't know what BD did. Might take days to figure it out. She says do it faster. There's like the rest, like there's uniformed cops that are pretty clearly stormtroopers, and I'm just calling them that. But they bring in a mm-hmm. dude that was getting beat up last issue as a witness. And after being threatened with the machine, oh yeah, he, ex- he explains that he saw Brigand Doom um, while being mugged and gives a description. He describes his hat as non-regulation, which I think is pretty funny. But Nine cuts him short and says there are no muggings in this city, so sends him to the machine. Yeah, anyway, so I, I, I yeah, so that's a. I mean, clearly she is not a good guy. It feels mm-hmm. very because uh, we're at the the last of this here as we continue, but yeah. it feels very inspired um, uh, by oh god, why am I forgetting the name now, Conrad? Um, I feel like it's inspired by a V for Vendetta. Is that what you're thinking of? V for Vendetta. I feel like true. Yes, I was thinking of. Um, 
Give me some details and I can help you. Indiana Jones, man. Um, Blade Runner? Blade Runner, thank you. <laughs> it's late. I'm sorry. No so it problem. feels very Blade Runner inspired, right? Like mm. we have someone kind of doing the 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 cop trying to figure things out, but there is a clear by the book mentality. Um and mm-hmm. obviously not not exactly the it is a dystopia, quite literally. And yeah. the the anarchist agent being quite literally a brigand. <laughs> 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 like it I like it a lot. Um. Anyway, yeah. Nice. Yeah. So another of the uh, of the stormtroopers has found uh, Brigand Doom's coat. No, it's not regulation. There's no labels. It smells nice like mothballs. Yeah. Knight admires it as Brigand Doom sews up a wound he receives earlier and does another one of those ampule things. Back home, Nine checks herself in a mirror and then gets a call from his honor, maybe the mayor, I guess, who wants an update on the case and isn't pleased that there aren't any leads. Nine checks the security <laughs> feed on her computer, clicks around with her mouse, very like sort of like uh like the future from Enhance. 1991 style mouse here. Definitely. That kind of stuff. Um and she wonders what he's doing as Brigand Doom hijacks a truck and drives off into the night. What does he want? Mind you, doesn't kill the lorry driver. Mm, interesting. Them out. Next time, chains of office. <sighs> my secret wish, my most secret wish is that this is actually Bill Savage. <laughs> oh, he's out of the institution. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, that's his literal. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> but first, oh, hey, speaking of, inst- of mental institutions, Fox. Oh, well, yeah. Okay, yeah. Let's talk Thrill Six. Danzig's Inferno. Oh man, I hate it when ballerinas with with giant meat hands that are misshapen that look like they've been caught in machinery are dancing in front of my bed at, at night singing some enchanted evening in the dark. <laughs> Script about John Smith, art about Sean Phillips, letting her about Steve Potter. First time doing a thrill for Sean Phillips, so he's done some covers and stuff. It's real good. It's real good. Yeah, so listen, Fox. Mm-hmm. I know you like that light, fun, romantic surrealism and weirdness <laughs> in Hooligan's haircut, right? Is, is this? I. This is definitely. I mean, it is surrealist. I don't I know hope if it's you're lightly romantic for that grim black tar heroin surrealism that we've got with Dancing's uh, Inferno. I mean, if if the bathroom tiles didn't say it. <laughs> You saying it is definitely at home. This is definitely the black guitar heroin of surrealism. So like a lot of John Smith's work here, I should say there's a lot of words and it's hard to describe without just sort of reading parts of it out. So oh, of course, I'm going to do my best, but I'd, I'd say you aren't getting the full story if you weren't actually reading this thing, which is Read tough because it's comic. just in the progs. Yeah. Um, basically, though, Fox, mm-hmm. Stanley Danzig's having a weird old time. I mean, he's being he is followed. Part, yeah, he is. He is probably a prophet, maybe something. He's being followed by mutant ballet dancers. He's being scanned by them constantly. Someone's erected a giant Stanley Danzig is here. Messiah for higher signs around his house. Voices seem to discuss his situation. Also off camera and talk about thawing him out. 
as Danzig discusses his problem, which is that he used to hear voices, but they might have been caused by a brain tumor. But that didn't stop him from hearing them, including the voice of God with a brummy accent. So in other words, they literally just excised part of his brain for reason. What greatness. Something. The outside voices talk about him killing himself by driving off a cliff and chalk it up to him being an existentialist philosopher. Danzig remembers his suicide and isn't sure where he is right now, but there's only one fixed point in this world, the real world cafe. It's not a bad name for a cafe, to be honest. Decent. I feel like, though, you'd be like, if even at this late date, I feel like if you saw a real world cafe, you'd assume it was related to to the TV show or something like that, you know? Like, will I have to sign a release for this cup of coffee? Something like that. Um, (laughs) There he meets a figment of his imagination called Lester, an old man with a loud shirt and Statue of Liberty sunglasses. They talk vaguely about philosophy and how it might be time for Stanley to make a comeback. After all, big things are happening. Lester fades out and Stanley fades into some kind of horrible life support armor. Uh, It's full of... Pipes it's, and it's incisions. Not looking, it's not looking good. It's looking more Robocop, but less satiating. Yeah, it's like Robocop, but like if you took all the plating and stuff off of Robocop, I guess, mm-hmm. where it's just sort of big clockwork corpse preservation machine. <laughs> um, they brought him back to life. It seems that after he died, they put his brain or his body in a cryo storage and kept his brain running by by, by matrix matrixing him, basically putting him in an artificial world. Mm-hmm. Now he's back, and they need him to take out the Ectwebbers, Havoc and Lyle, other philosophers that have transcended reality and turn it to concepts. And now they're messing with the whole world, and only Stanley Danzig can fix it. I now I because I I did my own remember on this. This is like clearly inspired or at least the the real world cafe feels like it is clearly inspired by Nighthawks, which is an Edward Hopper painting. Oh, yeah. The classic one of everybody. Yeah. With those guys just sitting around the 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 counter drinking coffee late at night. Yeah. It's got that look to it for sure. We get a look out of the real world, and it looks like it's got a very deco sky, colorful eyes floating through it, along with some mixed media cherubs, and of course, Laura Palmer's class photo, because it's 1991, basically. Oh, God, that's right. <sighs> Conrad, I didn't notice it until you mentioned, and I'm oh, so yeah. happy. It's there. Damn fine, damn fine thrills in 2018. Listen, theory, man, at least. damn fine. Anyway, Fox, apparently in 2041, things got weird. Dice with sixes on each side from Dresden, China, rained for 12 hours in Uganda. Elvis returned and quoted Nietzsche. All of North America had a weird a dream. They were a hungry man dinner being eaten by Nixon and then woke up to find their walls covered in a manifesto written in green lipstick. The Chiton Manif- Manifesto. Chiton. Something like that. C-H-T-H-O-N. Listen, um, the weather will be uh, turned into used cat litter uh, tray. Something, something, isn't life fun? Yours truly, Havoc and Lyle. Yeah, so these guys are philosophers from the situationist school of thought. What a great, what a great thing to call back. Situationalism is a real philosophy, mm-hmm. Fox, though it died out in the uh, early 70s. 
And apparently the big criticism I saw that I thought was pretty good was a bunch of people saying, like, your philosophy is just a bunch of basic shit, but you say it incredibly complicatedly. That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but does seem like a perfect one for John Smith, to be honest. Anyhow, Danzig's back alive in a crazy cyber suit. Now he's got to take these jerks out. An R&D guy comes up to help Danzig get up to snuff. As he argues with the figment of his imagination, Lester, and the medical staff admits that he's 100% a paranoid schizophrenic. Which, I mean, they kind of- Also memory problems. (laughs) They kind of got him into this already. Is he actually paranoid? They already carved out part of his brain. Yeah, but he is talking to a mysterious guy. But anyway, um, Danzig tries out a big laser blaster as the docs worry about the state of reality. Right. Also, one of his eyes is brought to you by Sony, which I thought was hilarious. Absolutely. There's more weirdness mentioned, and suddenly we meet people who will be his assistants on this assault, some army commandos that have been gotten some light Kierkegaard training and stuff. Oh, my God. Then things go bad. Weird creatures start climbing through the walls. Havoc and Lyle know what we're doing. Danzig has to do something. He (sighs) concentrates. And suddenly everyone turns into uh, naked Barbie dolls in a white background. I don't know. I mean, listen, uh, if we were meant to understand (laughs) it, it would be more clear. I mean, they might be Sydney dolls. That matters. You think might be a UK only uh, alternate doll version. In the void, Lester asks Stanley to say something. And in the end, he wraps it up by saying, how many philosophers does it take to change a light bulb? Answer. Uh, I mean, one. Three. One to change the light bulb. Two to debate whether they ought to do it. And if so, whether it follows that they can. I was just going to say. The end of Dancing's Inferno. (laughs) Is that really? That's it? That's it. I'm 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 okay with that. I'm okay with that. Just a quick little weirdy, basically. I'm shocked this wasn't, this didn't end up tying into Indigo Prime by the end of it. Yeah. Um, That's kind of where I thought it was going. Like, this would be a great time for a scene shifter or something to sort of zoom in and fix things or something, or alternately just say, yep, this is going to happen. Sort of like it, go, you know, do some it's a living stuff. Um, <laughs> it's a living. Speaking of which, though, we will see wh- when we see John Smith next in June, it'll be for Killing Time in Indigo Prime. Sean Phillips will do some more huh. covers and he'll be back in the prog next year. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like I actually really like this. I wanted there to be more. I mean, I I get that da 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 kind of like you know that's all, folks, etc. Porky Pig being, by the way, my favorite character. So I was super. Dude, Porky Pig is. I I actually I still have this theory that he's he he acts a certain way, but is literally the catalyst for all of Daffy Duck's pain. As some weird form of recompense. Anyway, Whoa. it was real good. Okay. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, it's a weird story for sure. I, I I, definitely, I would say that it's weird and it's fun and it doesn't overstay its welcome, which is what um, I, I think is, is best for these sorts of things. <sighs> yes. Because it, it, like, I know that they kept trying to force feed us this through, like, uh, Bradley, in a way. Like, the way that things looked. This one I felt like... I, it's like, yeah, it could be RoboCop, or it could just be like, hey, don't worry about it. And hey, don't yeah. worry about it should not last all that long. And there, and there are sense. some pretty decent, like, arresting images in the course of this thing. Oh, and stuff. absolutely. I like the, Again, I like the shaving I didn't even and the notice the Laura and Palmer, stuff. and I'm a fucking Twin Peaks fan. <laughs> yeah, definitely. 
All right, Fox. So let's listen. Oh. We've already we've already gotten pretty crazy, but have we been shocking? Let's do it now with oh. Thrill Seven Future Shock. Yeah, let's let's do that. Uh, are we splitting Tharg into a different thing? Nope, Tharg's Thank- in this. Thank you so much. Thank you, Conrad. You're such a fucking good person. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I know how it works. Story one. We're starting out. Great minds think alike, it's called. Script about David Anderson. Art about Ron Smith. Letter about Gordon Kid Robson. It's in the name. Yep. A biographer meets a great man at his amazing mansion. He designed it himself. They walk through the foyer, past amazing works of art. He did himself as well. It seems first he was the world's foremost neuroelectrico surgeon, then president, then a great general in the Cyclone War, and more. How does he do it? I mean, he says he had influences, and the biographer sort of says, yeah, like, you worked with those people, but they all kind of mysteriously died before you kind of (sighs) showed your expertise. And he shows the biographer um, that as a, new, a neurosurgeon, he created a machine that lets him suck out people's knowledge, talent, and expertise and give it to himself. Because this biographer guy isn't going to write his biography, but instead just give him the talent to let him write his own story. And then that dude's head explodes. It's pretty awesome. That is awesome. Uh, the rest of it is like, yeah, all right. I get it. Used his electro whatever. We'll just make. Yeah. Anyway, if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. (laughs) (laughs) You got to steal it from someone's brain by exploding their by exploding their mind, man. That's what I said. Um, Next up, it's alive. Script robot John Tomlinson, art robot Mick Austin, letting robot Tom Frame. The biggest problem I have with this, and then I'm going to leave it alone, is that if your dad is going to make a board game, I don't know any family who would be like, why would I play your stupid board game? Like, that's, (laughs) no one does that. They're like, yeah, I'll play your fucking board. Like, who doesn't want to play a game that someone made? I feel like maybe you're two years into the board game making experiment, though. I don't know. Maybe. In the Rudder House, the dad is obsessed with creating a perfect new board game over the protests of his family. It seems to be built around the concept of be- of all the players being mad scientists and competing for parts to build their own Frankenstein, which I mean, honestly seems dumb. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I've I've sort of been like in the modern game game um, area. I feel like you could actually someone could actually make a pretty solid board game with that concept. <sighs> I mean, I'd steal it from a Russian board game because they are because like already made it. It also means you, you could play with like a co-op mode and stuff, which is sort Ooh. of a big thing with board games where all you're all trying to get trying to work together to make one big Frankenstein, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Anyway, <gasps> the biggest Frankenstein. That's exactly mm. what I would call it. Who can make the biggest Frankenstein? Yeah. Shifting Just, allegiances. You can steal some extra parts to make the biggest Frankenstein. Yeah. Mine's going to have like all the arms. 100% of the arms. <laughs> Listen, Goro, <laughs> forearms. What a laughable amount of arms that you would possibly put on your Frankenstein. Yeah, more like Boro. Eventually, Albie <laughs> Rudder takes his gaming experiments to the shed and transitions to a full mad scientist killing his family and sewing them up into a new Prometheus. But right. then the cops come and arrest him after he tries to electrocute him using a satellite dish. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have really worked anyway as we see his reanimated son watching TV because you can't reanimate what was never alive in the first place. Uh, do you get it? Because uh, older people uh, that lived through like the 60s, 70s, 80s, they're going to say some things about 
kids that are in the 90s now. You're watching too much of that television. Play board games or your dad will kill you. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't play Monopoly and enjoy it, non-ironically, I will murder you. That's right. Listen, you got a ticket to ride and a ticket to live because you decided to play the game. Oh, my. You know, like... Otherwise, it's I mean, I, I get that die. joke because I like board games, Conrad. I how many people have played Ticket to Ride? I feel like there's a video game version. People have played it. I've I've definitely played it on my um, on my e pad. How about this? You better you better uh, 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 start settling, or there's gonna be some cut tan. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a knife. <laughs> Actually, I, like that a lot. I might I might steal that one. <laughs> Do it. Next up. Oh man, sorry. No problem. Next up, the robot script. Robot Francis Lynn. Art robot Eric Bradbury. Oh, robot Gordon a, Robson. Yeah, dumb. Yeah, but I do like to see Eric Bradbury back in the prog. Yes, we just saw him in the 1990 winter special, and he's here again after the last time we saw him was in like 1986. I mean, basically. I mean, in- in old like a uh, fortune teller lady done well i would say yeah he does a solid fortune teller for sure so this guy barry he's down on his luck and he goes to see a fortune teller at a carnival he's having a rough time but the Ma- but madam rosa has good news cuz he's destined to become a tv star he goes home and tells his mom the good news, but she doesn't seem very impressed by it. And this pisses him <laughs> off. So he goes to his room <laughs> to watch his favorite TV show, The Robot. And the All gross right. aliens on that show have just destroyed their previous robot and they need a new one. Barry thinks they might mean him. That night, right. he's visited by the creepy aliens of the show who wrap them up in their gross tentacles and make him a robot dude. Hey, why not? I, that seems pretty rad. It's okay, but then it's just a dream, and he's real bummed. So he heads into school, but he's so focused on his bummer dream that didn't come true that he gets hit by a truck and dies. <laughs> his mom's shocked by it until she turns on the TV and sees that the aliens have their new robot. Your wish is granted. I feel like these things are so disconnected. Oh, it's real hard to get into showbiz. <laughs> I just, I like... What if it? What if his mom never turned on the television? What if she hated TV? That'd be the perfect crime because no one would ever notice. Now oh. she's going to pursue civil action against these robots. Oh, <laughs> or aliens? Excuse me. I like that idea. Although the 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 fortune teller lady gets off scot free, but whatever. Your Honor. My son was killed and enslaved by robots in a series of events. <laughs> and I demand re- and I demand restitution. I mean, you know, I mean, a, a child is at least worth like, well, like a hundred. It was a ceremony. Okay. Oh my god! <laughs> Final <laughs> section: Galactic greetings. Script robot: The Mighty oh. One. Art robot: Eric Bradbury. Letting robot: Tom Frame. More Bradbury. And this is a definitely a new one. The old the old one could have been from any time. Basically, oh god, every Thar gets a fart. In the Beetlejuice system on the planet Quaxin, Emperor Quark and his assistant Zilch are commencing Project Skeetnik's Thung, a massive undertaking that was sure to make make sure Thar gets what he deserves. He laughs evilly about it so hard he dislocates his jaw. (laughs) 
on Earth, Tharg is walking around pissed. Igroid wonders why, but Bird, of course, knows it's because he thinks they've all forgotten the 14th anniversary of 2000 AD, but they're actually planning a surprise party. I mean, I feel like the Great One already knows. That's why he's pissed. Mmm. We see Zack-19, the Zack Sandler droid, prepare the cover of this very issue as Bert um, tries to think of a terrible joke to write on the card. Meanwhile, Mac one the Steve McManus droid, is at Eunice Toglu's Golden Twilight Rest Home for Terminally Gaga Comics characters. Gotta have a big net for that one. Yeah, where he puts in full body armor to talk to some crazy folks, including a woefully underutilized Bill Savage. Correct. And Me Machine Angel, who'll be back in the comic soon, as oh well God. as goddamn Walter. We don't need to talk about the other one. Can please continue? Back in Quacksand, uh, Quarg wishes Tharg a happy anniversary with help from his Imperial laughing bag. As Tharg <laughs> steps outside, the bots unveil all their surprise party stuff as Mac 1 arrives with a signed card cursing Bert. <laughs> Tharg comes in and sees the surprise. Happy birthday, 2000 AD. Yo, Tharg! As Quark unveils his surprise, a giant sun-blocking birthday cake. Squeenex Tharg, indeed. No, I mean, that's going to take a lot of people thong. to eat that giant birthday cake. Yeah, well, luckily we got folks. Anyway, yeah, does this mean we, we, we got the rest of... Yeah, we, we'll, we'll just put it in space and put a bunch of rats on it. It'll be fine. <laughs> Praise Cakeus. Cakes us. That's lovely. Anyway, can we have the rest of the week off, buddy? No. Yeah, that's great. We're at the end now. Fuck you, Tharg. Please stop publishing your own comics. <laughs> I think this is okay, honestly. This I'm is, much no, more... This is, this is fine. This is yeah, absolutely like, fine. I'm a fan of these... Li- or I'm, 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 I'm much better with these sort of slice-of-life Tharg stories. Yes. Where it's mostly about the droids and Tharg is sort of a figure of menace or something. It, the as, less thrill suckers, the better. Let me put yeah, it that way. As opposed to ones where Tharg is a super is is a superhero fighting against thrill suckers, because that's he sort of god modes his way through everything. Or or whatever, the the dinguses of Jungus or whatever they were called. Dictators of Drag, yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right. How <laughs> that was very close without trying. <laughs> It's okay. Hey, Fox, serious question, though. I mean, I got serious answers. I can be a silly boy, but I can give you serious answers. What's up? Yeah, what do you need? buddy. What are your top and bottom thrills for this prog 716 to 719? All right. So I'm going to tell you right now. This one was pretty close. And the only reason that that side division was edged out is because it's twofer. Right? Like, I wanted more side division. I always want more side division. I'm very mm-hmm. sad that I have to wait for more side division. But, baby, my baby boy, my beautiful Conrad, Brigand Dune is my favorite thing. <laughs> it's <laughs> so much my favorite thing. It's got. It's got that, like, sci-fi intrigue of, like, ooh, ooh, this feels like a movie that I would have watched, but this man has a tri-corner hat and is maybe a crime fighter, but also just gassed a bunch of people, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm really into... St- I, I, I'm interested to see where it goes. The only reason that Judge Dredd doesn't even make the qualifications is just... It's kind of, st- like, different story dreads and all of that. I, I understand from how you have put it, uh, why Carlos Escara didn't continue, and I'm sure that it will 
continued to be a story. Uh, these ones were fine. They were fine dread one-offs. Ones that I would have expected, like, let's say, you know, after a story completes, right? Like, give me a couple of weeks of just some one-off stories. It all makes sense in context, not make sense in readership, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, while they were good, and I loved them, I mean, Brigand Dune, that's my top, baby. I love it. I love it, and I want to know more. This man has a tricorner hat, and I know that that shouldn't count for as much. The rest of the story counts for a lot. For bottom. Uh, Oofa Tufa. I, so, I would put Junker there, because I'm done. I'm fucking, like, this is, this is, this junk is ready for the bin. Mm -hmm. Um... However, from last time to this time, I am I am I am done with this rogue trooper. I'm so done, baby. <laughs> I and and it's not me trying to trying to whip a man for for making a script. I'm just like, yeah, could have you could have done it, it 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 is me like reading it and I read it. I read all of it. I wanted to read it and I, it was fun to look at. Mm-hmm. It just it it wasn't I don't know. It, it, it didn't feel like Friday, first and foremost, especially not the Friday that, that led off with it. I didn't expect to see Gaia that soon, so yeah. all of that was a cop-out. Um, and on top of everything, it's just like Friday just seems like an ass more than anything. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> which, is such a, which is such a 180 from, from who he was, where it's like, I went through this harrowing shit. Like, not but... And then a couple months ago, here's um, I'm I'm moving my arm right now. No one can see. Here's this couple months ago where I went through some harrowing shit. Um, now I'm going to try and look for that one person who I met that like meant a shit to me and probably isn't dead. And then they probably died, which is a sure emotional reason. But like, <sighs> did you, like bringing that up now? I don't know. It just felt real untimely. Wasn't into it. But Conrad. Okay. That's that's my mm-hmm. reasoning. I want to know. Yeah. Like I want, I want to know what is Conrad stopping bottom thrills. <laughs> um, hey, I'll join you with Friday, buddy. This Rogue Trooper story not great. Poopy boy. Um, feels. I mean, uh, like I sort of I stand by my uh by by my video game narrative. Um, <laughs> Common video game narrative from early. Yeah, that it's just sort of like it's the. It feels very kind of cookie cutter, and again, like it's not based on on the video game tropes of 1990. Like this is a very like modern day video game trope, but still very <laughs> tropey. Worse. Um, for my top, I'm like in Brigand Doom. I love how how just how black it is. This black and white comic oh, I, I, that seems to so mostly good. be dark ink. That's really neat. Um, I'm tempted to say. Like I, I like Anderson as well. I think that that cliffhanger is a real like oh my god cliffhanger. So good. I'm all, I almost want to say um, Danzig's Inferno just because there was it, a lot going so on with it. It's so short lived and also good. I'll say Danzig's Inferno is a, a thrill that I I considered for both top and bottom thrill this week in terms of like. <laughs> Just sur- being done with surrealism versus an in- versus an interesting concept. I think in the end, though, I might give it to Anderson this time. I like this it end. Does not feel uh, poorly chosen. 
And while the size scanner thing is a bit gratuitous, I do just like us being around in her mindscape as she sort of descends into madness here. That's kind of fun. So, yeah, so I think that – and again, I'm also, yeah, bummed that's going to be so long until we see what's going to happen next because I'm on the hook because I've really done a lot of like, you know, that again sort of a – you know, this is sort of a trope in a different direction of just the the horror movie trope of Anderson going of, – of, of a woman going through something and being all freaked out as other folks stand on the sidelines and sort of make ominous ominous statements. Kind of a Rosemary situ- Rosemary's Baby kind of situation yeah, here. So I, I agree with that in, in compl- – I, I don't know. Like I really hope that they, they nail it. Uh, given that they've nailed it now a few times, um, yeah, I, mean, I, I think I, am, I think I know I, I I am there with you. It's just like Lady Crazy is a very bad narrative. Yeah, but I think I think of the authors in 2000 AD who I think have the best chance of 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 uh, of landing this particular plane. I think mm. Alan Grant's one of the ones that I'd go with the most. You know, I agree with that. Like I, I am, I am very hopeful. Uh, I, I, I mean, especially as I said last time, this is, this is, I'm, I, I want to know more, and it scares me, and it still is scaring me. It yeah. is, it is a, a, the truest horror is knowing that you are not crazy, and everyone thinks that you're fucking crazy. Definitely. Um, uh, that that terrifies me a lot. Yeah, but, for yeah, sure. No, I think that 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 is well justified, my man. What a what a a, 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 a okay month, fine month. <laughs> it's okay. All right. Yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner Two Thousand on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site at spacespinner 2000com Feel free to contact us at spacespinner 2000 at gmail.com on the two thousand eighty forums or our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages on Twitter. We're at Space Spinner 2K, everything else look up Space Spinner 2000. You'll find us there. This show's brought to you by Steve Green, Zane Kip Miller, and your friends of the 2080 forums. If you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd appreciate it. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Cradaline. That's our podcast network. There you can support the show and receive a ton of excellent rewards, including advanced episodes, coverage of modern 2000 AD in the magazine, and even monthly Q&As with Fox and myself. Hey, man, who doesn't want to hear some monthly Q&As with mostly you, but partially me? I mean, it's been both of us, and I think they've been pretty fun so far. I mean, they've been my favorite things to do. We've squared yeah. off. I like squaring Definitely. off, my boy. Yeah, uh, ups and downs. We have a lot of good questions coming in, and I really appreciate people who have been asking those as well. If you, I should say, um, for the Q and A, it's an ask me anything. You can ask whatever, and and anybody oh, yeah. can anybody can ask. But you got to pay ten dollars. To hear the answers. Ooh. A whole $10 American. That's right. <laughs> and come back next time as we're, we hit another jumping on prog. That's going to be 723. So oh. all th- current thrills must end. Oh, no. Jamming oh, wait, out. Dune also? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll be finishing up Brigand Doom, Rogue Troop, uh, uh, the Rogue Trooper story, Death oh, Aid, all God. that stuff. And then bringing in new stories like uh, Daudamoto, Nemesis and War, uh, Nemesis and Deadlock, and even yes, live in fear of the Robo Hunter reboot. Oh, is that not good? Is it not nope. going to be good, Conrad? 
Mm -mm. Until then, I'm Conrad East Fox, and we are Space Spitter 2000. Splendid. <laughs>